On this podcast, we talk with rural mavericks, futurists, and researchers to raise bold voices for rural people and places. I'm Caitlin, producer of the show, and I'm asking you to do your part. Support the Rural Futures podcast by leaving a review, which helps new listeners find us, and become a sponsor by visiting ruralfutures.nebraska.edu slash podcast. In terms of what the future looks like, again, I'm hopeful in those leaders who are sort of on the ground and understand not only the constraints, but are starting to view their communities through an asset-driven lens as opposed to a deficit-driven lens. Rural Futures, the podcast where we connect thought leaders and doers at the intersection of technology and what it means to be human. Every episode, we talk with entrepreneurs, researchers, and achievers to create impact for generations to come. And now, here's Dr. Connie. Welcome back to the Rural Futures Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Connie, and joining us today is researcher and maverick Christy McFarland. She's a research director with the National League of Cities, and she's also pursuing a PhD at Virginia Tech to explore her amazing work even deeper, which we'll talk about here in a minute. So Christy, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Thanks, Dr. Connie. It's great to be here with you. So I am a researcher with the National League of Cities. Um, I always like to use the word applied before researcher. So I'm an applied researcher. I work very much with data, but also with leaders in, in local communities across the country and city staff as well. As you mentioned, I'm getting my PhD. I'm a perpetual student both in and outside of the classroom. Of course, I'm also a mom of two small kids, four and six. I also love to play tennis. You know, it's funny as I hear all that, it makes me wonder what you're not doing because, you know, just working and pursuing a PhD is a lot, let alone when you throw in a family and you don't want to have a life outside of that as well. Yeah, it's definitely a lot, but uh, my husband and I have a great partnership in that way. I think, you know, in this modern era when you have a lot of times dual career couples or in, you know, couples with kids or dogs or all these other responsibilities, you have to have some sort of partnership or team on your side to make it all work. Tell us a little bit more about yourself as a leader and how you create this full life that you're experiencing. That's that's a really interesting question. and. It's something that I've needed to reflect on because I think it's a, a role that I've grown into. I would say, you know, a defining characteristic of my leadership style really is to lean into uncertainty. And I think that goes for my professional and my personal life as well. You know, specifically on the professional side, um, what, I, what I've realized over the past few years is, is that we are often confronted with some pretty dominant narratives, whether it's in the media um, or just in our professional circles or whatnot. And specifically in my role with the National League of Cities, and there's been a lot of attention on local communities and geography and and the role that cities and towns play in the broader national economy, and really understanding what the perspective is from sort of a national, media-driven, maybe political perspective, and then what we're really hearing on the ground from those people who are sort of in the trenches every day, really working to build better communities. Being able to identify where I see those disconnects and where there may be some uncertainty in gray areas and really using those as the opportunities for a research direction and and as a guide for where the next great research idea may come from. So tell us a little bit more about your work around exploring the rural-urban both conversation but diving a little deeper into that economy and sort of the 
coexistence of that economy and the importance of, of the relationship between rural and urban areas. I, I have been very struck over the past few years with the very disparate outcomes that truly do exist in some rural and urban communities. Um, but also the overriding narrative about the fate and the relationship between urban and rural communities. I think most of what we've been hearing and, and most of what tends to be understood about urban and rural communities is that they do not operate in the same world at all. And that's not actually the case. When we, when we drill down and we really get a handle on what's happening in urban and rural places, we find, yes, rural communities very much are stressed at a foundational level. But they also operate within a regional economy, and we're finding many places where rural communities are leveraging their assets to build relationships in, in a broader regional economy. You had referenced bridging the urban-rural economic divide, and what we found in that research is that, again, yes, there are some significant divides between urban and rural communities, particularly when we're talking about things like education and broadband access, and we know that those are critically important to the economic prospects of any place. But we also found some other interesting findings that point really to opportunities for more shared prosperity between urban and rural communities. In many states across the country, we found that businesses that export, um, and that's, that's very critically important to, to economic growth, we found that rural communities have a growing share of businesses that export, whether that's through manufacturing or agriculture or otherwise. So we know that there are opportunities and assets there. We also find that many rural communities are outpacing their urban counterparts in their contributions to state GDP. So again, we see that there are glimmers of opportunity. There are particular places that are leveraging their unique assets. They're building stronger relationships with their urban counterparts, and we're seeing that there are possibilities there. Well, and I so appreciate this work. I just returned on a trip from Ohio where I was able to meet with a number of ag leaders. And the number of stories that people tell about, you know, one woman, for example, actually runs a multi-state ag insurance agency with a number of partners. And one of her partners was telling me that her brother lives in a rural area of Ohio, but has worked with Japan to develop edible soybeans. And that market has grown so much that his business has really expanded. So it's an international business. You know, started from a person living in rural Ohio, but the segment, the customer segment they serve is very urban. And so I think those economies really come together in incredible ways. And sometimes we just don't recognize it like we should. I think that's a really good point. Up until, you know, the past 20 or 30 years or so, I think what we had been seeing in terms of how the economy operated is just that you know, smaller places would catch up uh, with larger places and vice versa, and things would sort of take care of themselves through the economy. That's not necessarily the case anymore, and we need to be much more intentional about our economic development strategies if we want to see shared prosperity. So like you were saying, really being able to isolate and understand what the assets are in particular places. Well, and one of the quotes I love from the report you were talking about was, it's time for the narrative to shift from urban versus rural to a shared economic future. Bridging the economic divide between urban and rural areas will require states, regions, and localities to understand and bolster the relationship between urban and rural areas in economically meaningful and strategic ways. I think that just that, that summarizes a lot of this so well, but also I think helps people reframe 
some of the questions that we need to be asking to create a more sustainable future for our country and also the world. I think this conversation around the urban-rural divide really sort of forces us to think a little bit differently about the future, both of leadership, of economic development, of the way that we approach our communities. You know, specifically on the, on the leadership front, we talked about the fact that in the past, the economy sort of sorted itself out in ways that we're not seeing anymore. So in that way, it really does require governments at all levels, as well as partners from you know, private sector, nonprofits, and others to really come together in strategic collaboration to think about intentional ways to improve the economic outcomes, not only of rural communities, but ways that urban and rural communities can work together, because I really feel like that's where the leverage is going to be. And again, in terms of economic development as a field and how we're thinking about that and how that field is evolving, again, becoming much more intentional and strategic, and it requires that leadership. But it doesn't mean working against the economic forces that, that are occurring to make large communities economically viable. It doesn't mean that rural communities need to be working against that, or it doesn't mean that rural communities even need to try to replicate what's happening in large communities. What it means for the future for rural economies is that economic developers across the country need to take stock of what assets exist locally. Um, how do those play within a regional economy and how can they potentially complement what's happening in the urban area? Is there an exciting urban market that really can be served by some, some rural interests as well? And I, I really feel that that's the way of the future. Well, and give us some examples of the communities you see working in this way where they're really thinking about how do they link these systems in rural and urban together to create a more vibrant economy, but also a more thriving area for people to live. There are examples across the country, and I think those are the important stories to lift up, right? We're working right now in the state of Virginia, for example, um, trying really to understand what are the assets that are unique to rural parts of the state, and how do those align potentially with what the needs are of more urban areas of the state. So that's one example. We know that Oregon is sort of home of the top hops growers, which I find to be really interesting. And the rural growers of, of hops in that state really rely on the sophisticated taste of their urban consumers within the state of Oregon as well. So the entrepreneurs who are growing hops um, are relying on the specialized beer palette of those in the urban area to refine the type of hops that they're growing and then expand to the global market. So that type of relationship between urban and rural is not only a direct market for rural entrepreneurs in the urban area, but also sort of a test bed before they're able to, to branch out and be successful in the global marketplace as well. Well, I think that's such an exciting linkage, right? So thinking about how do we work together within this space? So, you know, we are co-testing and co-creating these products together. So we aren't just growing something over here that might not fit the palette of the audiences we're trying to serve, but really zoning in on those audiences and being very entrepreneurial in terms of how to create the products that people really want to buy. So and a lot of this really centers around the food system, you know, expanding those food systems beyond the farms and really helping people understand what that means. We all eat, we all wear clothes. I mean, I think these are important pieces of, of what rural does provide. But tell us a little bit more about those states that maybe don't have a strong ag sector. What advice would you give them in the rural-urban connect? 
Again, I think it's critically important to, to understand regionally what are going to be the drivers of the economy within that region going forward. And are there complements in both the urban and rural communities to help realize that growth in the, in the long term? So again, it doesn't necessarily need to mean that rural communities are replicating success of urban areas or that they just need to wait for urban area growth to sort of trickle down to rural communities. There really can be a, a, a synergy there, particularly when working from the regional perspective. Yeah, thank you. I, I know we've talked to a few states, you know, leaders from South Carolina, for example, that are really sort of struggling around, okay, what do we do here? Because, you know, states like Nebraska, others have this strong rural sector, um, and that strong rural sector really is the bread and butter of the state in so many ways, but also is what really bolsters our rural sector. And I think that's important, but other states don't necessarily have that. And so thinking about how do we expand it here in places like Nebraska, but also, you know, learn together with states like South Carolina that don't feel their ag sector is what really makes their rural areas prosperous. So thinking about it in new and different ways, I think is just so important for everyone. Yeah, I think that's right. And, you know, there are also, like you had mentioned, there are also states that have sort of thriving rural areas. And I think what we're finding in a lot of those places, too, is that the urban and rural communities are linked together because of the growth that's happening in rural communities. So, for example, with gas and oil production and extraction in sort of the northern states, for example, thinking about the services that are required, whether it's legal services or otherwise, to help that industry continue to grow, um, we're seeing those types of service sector jobs grow in the urban areas, but they're very much connected to what is happening in the rural places as well. Welcome to Bold Voices, our segment with rock star students from the University of Nebraska who are making a difference in rural. Hey, podcast listeners, it's Katie, production specialist of the Rural Futures podcast. With me today is Sydney Armbruster, a senior disease and human health major at Peru State College. Welcome, Sydney. Hello. Thanks for having me, Katie. Yeah, we're so happy you came on the show. Can you start out by telling our listeners a little bit about who you are? I really have a passion for helping people and learning about the human body, and I hope to become a physician assistant someday. So I know you have a rural background. Tell our listeners a little bit about your connection to rural. I'm originally from Fall City, Nebraska, which is a rural community. My specific interest in rural is in the healthcare field. And I hope to be able to help out and serve in underprivileged areas when I get licensed as a physician assistant. So you got to contribute to the Rural Futures Institute through our serviceship project this summer. Can you talk a little bit about that? I got sent to the Omaha Municipal Land Bank. And once I got to Omaha, I learned a whole new world that joined housing and healthcare, which really interested me, but was something I had never even thought of before. We basically worked with foreclosed houses. We worked with the foreclosure team to get those houses. And then we sell those houses. And then whoever buys the house has nine months to redevelop that house. So actually, we're bettering the communities um, in more than one way. It made me grow as a person and will definitely shape how I practice medicine in the future. And how do you think that those skills would translate into a more rural community? Right now, there's a lot of housing crises in rural areas. And Land Bank is actually working on moving their services to rural areas because of the crisis. And it would work the exact same way. We work in those underdeveloped parts of the communities and hopefully get them back up to functioning pace. And it would affect the community just as much as it does in urban areas. 
How has the Rural Futures Institute impacted your college career and your future plans? RFI has been one of the best experiences of my college career thus far. I've gained friendships, mentors, and many memories. It definitely opened my horizons to what the world has to offer and how many people are working for positive change in the world today. Well, thank you so much, Sydney, for talking to me today and discussing this interesting intersection between housing and healthcare and how it really affects both urban and rural. Thanks for having me, Katie. Okay, Christy, I'm going to ask you to put your futurist hat on now for a second. I want you to think about, you know, how do you think these changes will impact the future? How do you see the rural-urban dynamic evolving? I think that the urban-rural dynamic will evolve to a place where, from what I know about city leaders and other community leaders and town leaders across the country, they will find a way. There are solutions when the right people are at the table. And my sense is that we're getting to a critical point where um, we need to really start identifying solutions that work for both urban and rural communities and for shared prosperity within regions. In terms of what the future looks like, again, I'm hopeful in those leaders who are sort of on the ground and understand not only the constraints, but are starting to view their communities through an asset-driven lens as opposed to a deficit-driven lens. And when you do that, I think the possibilities really become more apparent. And again, we are seeing that in communities across the country, and and I'm hopeful that others will, will take that lead as well. Yeah, I so agree. I, I know there are challenges and, you know, we at the Rural Futures Institute aren't trying to d- diminish those challenges at all. But to really think, you know, more in the mindset of possibility and abundance and what can be created, I think is so important. So we are actually recognizing that there's opportunity here rather than just focusing on the challenges. I know you're one of the people on this planet that really takes her work very seriously, but also gets out there and experiences these crops and these rural areas for herself. So I'd love for you to share with our audience what you do for fun that also helps you think of the research and push your research forward. Yeah, well, my husband and I have become recent whiskey hobbyists, if that's a word. We very much enjoy getting out into Virginia and exploring the distilleries that are that are local here. There are quite a few in Virginia and it's just been a really fun experience. I think when we get out to these places, it's very interesting to see, for example, you know, the methods that are used when these distilleries are dealing with different types of grains. It's not a high-tech type of process. It's very much being able to feel and to smell all of the different grains that are going into whether it's rye or bourbon or whatnot. It's a great experience really to get up close and personal with the products that we love to taste test for ourselves back at home and to have an experience um, not only with the products, but also with the people that are making it. Well, I think this is just a huge asset rural communities definitely have. A little, you know, later today I get to go down to Kimmel Orchard and it's a 90 acre orchard famous for apples, but has a variety of fruits and vegetables as well. And every fall, they have an Applejack Festival in Nebraska City, which is a town of about 7,000 people in southeast Nebraska. And literally 50 to 70,000 people will come down there and participate in that festival you know, over the course of a three-day period. And it's, it's been named one of the best festivals in the nation for a small town. But it's such a great economic boom for the area. 
but it also just provides that experience you're talking about. You know, people coming from rural and urban areas alike to be able to pick apples and, and get outside, have some family fun, but really get to also experience what a great apple, what great products and produce actually taste like straight from the place it is grown and produced. And, you know, on the side of education, it really has allowed us to really relate to people in a different way through the lens of food and agriculture. And we talk about the university work and the work of extension and research in that space. And so those are just amazing places and assets to have so that we can all come together around these issues and you know, help grow our economies, but also the quality of our lives together. So Christy, tell us a little bit uh, more about your work and, and what you're doing, you know, in the work with your, your PhD and what your research looks like. Yeah, so, you know, we had done this initial research um, on the urban-rural economic divide and, and wanting to understand where are there are opportunities for regional economic development that helps strengthen and seed prosperity throughout regions as opposed to just, you know, particular parts of regions. For my PhD work, uh, what I'm looking at is uncovering that a little bit more. So really understanding what are the connections from an economic development lens, whether that's different types of industry and how are they connected. I'm looking specifically at the ability of agglomeration and clusters, economic clusters, to help facilitate regional economic development. And I think recently when we think about agglomeration, which is sort of the clustering of economic activity all in one smaller place, we think of that as the key driver of divergence among urban and rural communities across the country. But we've really only looked at that through the lens of, you know, major regions across the country. Why are, maybe why are the coasts doing better and, and you know, the Midwest is not doing as well? But we haven't really taken the approach of really understanding, okay, let's dig deeper into regions that include both urban and rural counterparts and understand, can this cluster of economic activity encompass both urban and rural communities and help bridge urban and rural economies in a more productive way for the whole region? The work you're doing really, I think, is an incredible innovation in research itself in terms of changing the narrative, but also adding the substance behind it that it needs. So as we come up even to, I think, more elections and, and the topic of rural versus urban reemerges um, in the media and the narrative, I'm excited that, you know, so many of us now can use the work you're doing to really have a different, more robust conversation around this issue. Yeah, I think it's really important that we have the information. I think one side of the story has been told very well. Um, and again, it's not to say that rural communities don't have their challenges because they certainly do. But it's also important for the other side of the story to be told as well so that we can start to look towards solutions. You know, I'm with the National League of Cities. Cities are certainly in our name. So I've, I've gotten some funny looks when I start to have this conversation with people. But we really do represent cities and towns of all sizes across the country. So our interest really is in strengthening the economy and the quality of life in communities across the country, whether large or small. Yeah, I appreciate that point because I think that is, you know, like a person hears the word city and you automatically think of like New York. You know, you don't think of right. West Point, Nebraska. So I appreciate you bringing that forward because the work you're doing really, I think, is helpful to anyone working in this space at all. There's a lot of good statistics. I think there's great examples of communities really kind of rethinking um, their economic future, but also sustainability and growth. And your work's really, I think, unleashing a whole new conversation that we all need to be a part of and help support. 
for my sense too, again, although we, we certainly represent cities and towns across the spectrum and, and this research really is in the vein of trying to support um, you know, economic growth throughout regions. There is also an incentive, I would say, for, for more urban communities to start thinking with this frame as well, particularly as communities start to grow, they're becoming more unaffordable, there are problems with transportation and traffic issues, um, and it's going to be incumbent on urban communities as well to think in a more regional frame in order to help balance some of these negative consequences of growth. Yeah, you know, in Nebraska, what we're seeing is really the growth happening in those micropolitan areas. So, you know, the areas that are not considered major urban centers, but are big enough that people want to live there, but still have that quality of life, the space, um, more affordable housing, great schools. And so I think, you know, this is something that's really part of this narrative, right? You know, people really want this quality of life. And now people are so mobile. I mean, here we are both working from home to record this podcast that they can do that. And I think there's so many ways we can help people realize their potential wherever they want to live. But both rural and urban areas can think about that. Like, what what do people want? What are they looking for? And how do we become, you know, sort of providers of that lifestyle? As long as people are connected, they can do so much now from anywhere in the world. And, and that is really shifting the possibilities around where people want to live, but also where they can live. Yeah, I think that's right. You know, I think we, we can't underestimate the importance and, and the vitality of our urban areas and, and the reasons why they are successful. People still do want to be near other people, but there are, you know, there are others and there are other ways to be successful as long as those connections are made in a strategic way, in an economically viable way. And maybe we just haven't gotten there yet, but I think that is the path we need to to continue to go down. Well, Christy, what parting words of wisdom would you like to leave our audience with today? You know, I, I hope that the research that we've done at the National League of Cities and that we'll continue to do, and also the work that you all are doing, really can can help people change their direction a little bit just in terms of tweaking the way that we see the world and putting an asset-driven lens on the work that we do because I think that really can open up some new possibilities. Great. Thank you so much, Christy. We appreciate the work you're doing and your time to come on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Rural Futures with Dr. Connie. Spread these bold voices for rural via social media. We're at Rural Futures on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Next up, we have rural maverick Matt Dennis of O'Neill, Nebraska. Matt is co-founder of Handlebend, a high-end copper mug company shipping across the world and staying purposefully true to its rural roots. If we had done this in Omaha, I don't think it would have the same feel and the same storyline as it does in rural Nebraska. I benefit that to part of the success is this whole story behind it being the child of a rural community and you know that whole story that we can sell with the experience.